The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. 162 regular season games, six months of travel, flights, hotels, and baseball. Join us now for a behind-the-scenes look at a season on the road with the Oakland A's. Vince Catronio takes us on a journey around Major League Baseball. Starting now. Welcome back to another edition of A Season on the Road. Vince Catronio with you from Anaheim, where the sun is shining and the A's wrapping up their series with the Angels. And we had an opportunity to visit with a couple of guys that are behind the scenes that are working basically 24-7. The A's bullpen catchers, Phil Pohl, who's been doing it now for four years, Jeremy Doughty is in his third year, and, uh, man, there's so much to go through. And first of all, I, I, I don't want to be- spend much time because we're following another disappointing loss for the Athletics last night. But, man, the, it's so frustrating to see that. But I guess the joys you flush it as quickly as you can, Phil, and you go right back to work the next day. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Everybody knows it's a long season. Baseball is going to have its up and downs. Like you said, tough one last night, but we're back at the ballpark today and looking to get back on track. Phil, give us a little bit of the background, uh, your baseball background, your professional background, before we get into the duties and the responsibilities and some of the fun of the stories you've had as the A's bullpen, one of the bullpen catchers. Yeah, I mean, I I was fortunate enough to play college baseball down in uh, Clemson University, state of South Carolina, and then was drafted by the A's in 2012, played for a couple years in their minor league system, and then uh, took this job in 16. I've been here since since 2016. And Jeremy, what about yourself? Give the give the folks that are listening an idea of, of your professional background that got you to this point. Yeah, very similar path as Phil. Um, played baseball, college baseball at Appalachian State University in North Carolina. Uh, signed with the White Sox in 2012. Uh, played five seasons there and then was fortunate enough to, uh, to land this job in 2017. And um, here we are. What were you doing at the time where you were faced with the decision? Do you want to stay in the game in some way, shape or form if you were not going to continue? your playing career, Jeremy. What, what was that crossroads like for you? Yeah, it was definitely weird. Definitely uh, definitely in limbo there. Um, trying to figure out if I wanted to go the independent route and keep going or if, if you know, coaching or, or the next, you know, phase in baseball was in my near future. And um, I think any any opportunity at the big league level is hard to, hard to pass up and um, was fortunate enough to have some references here with Bassett and Simeon and, and Fegley. Um, and, uh, and, and here we are. So, um, enjoying it and uh, and looking forward to you know what's ahead. What did those guys say about Jeremy Dowdy as he was looking for a chance to get to the big leagues in a different role because you had been a peer for them for a few years in the White Sox system? Well, they obviously told some lies, you know, <laughs> but uh, but no, it was uh, that was I was very fortunate to have that as a reference. You know, those three guys um, spent you know plenty of years with the White Sox with them and got to know them. And obviously, me getting the job, there's a comfortability factor coming in and already knowing three guys that you had played with and road buses with so um, you know Phil had the chance to come up with a lot of these guys that have been here with the A's and and that was kind of my bridge were those three guys so that was that was very nice to have you know you you, you look at your career you spent a lot of time at double a one years had almost 80 games and there were some games at triple a as well when you get that close you're not that far away from maybe stepping on the field as a professional player on the major league level did you feel close when you were playing at that time um, yeah, there's always that feeling of, of, you know, what, you know, what might happen, but, um, they started throwing sliders in any count. And I, I said, nah, you know what, this is, this is pretty tough, but I think you appreciate the game and you appreciate how good these guys are when you get to that level. 
Um, and I'm sure Phil can attest to this, but I, you know, there's a sense of pride when you're behind the plate at those upper levels with some of the older pitchers and um, them feeling confident in you calling a game. So I think that was, you know, one of the big reasons, you know, I, that I stuck around was just kind of taking pride in that part of the game. Phil, you were drafted out of the program you mentioned, uh, Clemson in 2012. What was that experience like? Because you think about Clemson, you think about a Power Five conference, you think about this time of the year, College World Series, and the opportunity maybe to, to get to Omaha. What, what were those years like at Clemson? Uh, they were great. Um, I, I was able to spend four years there. Um, my sophomore year, we went to Omaha. It was the last year of Rosenblatt's old stadium. So that was a, an amazing experience for me, especially as a, a kid coming from a small town uh, in upstate New York, being able to like you talk about beyond that big of a scene where the conference and ACC and so those four years there were, were great um, you know made some lifelong friends played some awesome baseball and uh, you know ultimately had the chance to, to go keep playing professionally with the A's in 2012. I think no, no matter what round you're picked in yeah there's a lot of focus on the early round players the first and the second round players and even first five or six rounds but you were a late pick you were a 28th round pick by the A's in 2012 and yet I have to believe and you can tell me one way or the other, that's still that moment, that phone call where somebody says, you know what, Phil Pohl, we want to make you a professional baseball player. What was that moment like for you? Um, it, it was a great moment. It was amazing. It was something that I had worked for since I was a, as a small kid. Um, it was a dream of mine to always have the opportunity to play after college and professionally. So uh, when I got that phone call saying I'd been selected in the 28th round, I was more than ecstatic. Um, as a senior sign, it wasn't, you know, you're not negotiating contracts for me. I was just extremely excited for the opportunity to keep playing. And I want to say I signed my contract within 24, 48 hours of getting that phone call. And I remember driving back, had a card in, in, in uh, Carolina, drove up one day back to myself and Ryan Dole. We got off on, on this, the same uh, terminal. So we hopped in a van. They took us over to the hotel and then right over to the complex. And you meet about 100 people in the first 15 minutes and you're trying to do your best to remember names and make a good first impression. And it's, uh, you know, it's a whirlwind experience, but it was, a, it was a great, great one for me. This is another episode of A Season on the Road. Vince Catronio with the A's bullpen catchers, Phil Pohl and Jeremy Dowdy. You glossed over the small town I grew up in in, uh, <laughs> in northern New York, a tiny little hamlet, if you will, also known as Cooperstown. You were born in, in Bakersfield, but your family moved uh, to Cooperstown at, at an early age. I would like to know what that experience was like for you. Um, yeah, as you said, I, I was born in Bakersfield. Uh, we moved back to, to Northeast in Cooperstown. Uh, both my mom and dad are from the North Jersey area, so the, the move was fueled by wanting to be close to our extended family. So um, we moved back right before the year 2000. I was about nine years old. And as a, as a baseball player, as a baseball fan, I had an older brother. We were, we were well into playing Little League and T-ball and, and that sort of thing. Going to Cooperstown was a was like the coolest thing ever at the time it was we're going to the baseball mecca and um it was kind of a rude awakening when you realize there's snow on the ground six months out of year so it was a little bit of adjustment but growing around uh, growing up around town you know around the hall of fame and the tourism and the induction ceremonies it was for a, a kid who was all about baseball it was one of the cooler places i think you can ever grow up my experiences with cooperstown or i visited there when i was in the minor leagues when the team I was working for, the Iowa Cubs, was in Syracuse, so we rented a car and we spent a few hours over there. And then also, when I worked for the Rangers, Nolan Ryan was inducted in 1999, so the Rangers played the Hall of Fame game that year and then got a chance to have a private tour. And then my old partner with the Rangers, Eric Nadell, was inducted as a Ford C. Frick Award winner. And then my son, Dominic, played in, the, in, you know, in those week-long those week tournaments during the summer. There's so much going on there. Uh, those, are, those are great memories. And when you tell people that you grew up in Cooperstown, and because it's a, such a baseball place, and you're probably talking with a baseball fan, what's their reaction when you tell them the stories that you have? Um, you know, similar to what you say, everybody's 
you know, always all years, oh, what was it like? Uh, what was the experience? You talk about your son, Dominic, playing at the Cooperstown Dreams Park. Actually, funny story, when I was 12 years old, I was kind of the, you know, if any team got a hit, had an injury, I was the local call. Um, so I, one summer there, I want to say I played eight, eight weeks straight. Um, I remember my mom told my dad one summer, she said, you better go get him. I haven't seen him all summer. <laughs> he needs to come home for dinner one night. So the opportunities were things like that. I was playing with kids from all over the country. Um, for a 12-year-old kid, it, you really couldn't beat it for a summer. You know, when my son went, they had the skills competition leading up to the games, and the kid that won the skills competition was former number one draft pick Richie Martins of the, you know, for the <laughs> athletics with the University of Florida. So time certainly flies. Jeremy, you grew up in North Carolina, you, as you mentioned. You went to, to Appalachian State. Tell me about your, your thoughts about you know, baseball when you knew you became a baseball fan. Who were, the, who were the teams that you followed? I'm guessing in that part of the country it usually means Atlanta Braves. Is that the case? Oh, yeah. A big, big Braves fan growing up, a uh, big Chipper Jones fan. I was always a third baseman um, coming up. Didn't really start catching until sophomore year of high school, so I was – a late bloomer in that respect but um yeah love watching chipper you know it was either the braves or the cubs on wgn and oddly enough the white Sox every once in a while and you're like oh man we got to watch the white Sox." and then five years later there i am and i'm like oh well we'll, we'll learn to we'll learn to like it but um yeah so big braves fan uh two older brothers were the same way so kind of was just born into it didn't have a choice you have a favorite playing playing moment as a professional um, I would say probably my uh, my first game uh, getting called up to high A Winston-Salem close to home had probably a hundred friends and family there because it's you know an hour from Raleigh an hour and a half from Boone where I went to school so uh, quite a few uh, supporters there and a July 4th game you know 5,000 people there and had a couple knocks snuck a few through so um, that was that was pretty special let's fast forward our season on the road episode with the bullpen catchers Phil Pohl and Jeremy Dowdy, what was it like when you got the phone call to make the decision, Phil, to, to change your career path from being behind the plate uh, as a professional player to now doing the, the things you do now as the A's bullpen catcher? Yeah, as, as you talked to Jeremy earlier, he mentioned you're kind of at a crossroads figuring out if you still want to play. Uh, myself, personally, I just finished up the indie ball route. I, I finished up the 2015 season down in Laredo in the American Association. And... Um, you know, that, it was a, it was an experience where I was able to keep playing, but I was at a point where I said, ah, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to – I'm getting a little older. Am I going to be good enough to still make a run of this? And, um, you know, I, I knew – actually, Keith Littman, our, our director down in the minor leagues, gave me a phone call, and he said, hey, would you be interested in, you know, coming in and talking and interviewing? Initially, I was like, ah, I think I can still play. And I thought – the more and more I thought about it, like Jeremy had said, these opportunities up here in this big league level don't open up that often. So I sat down with Keith, um, actually, and David. I, I met him up. It was an Arizona Fall League game. We talked a little bit about what the job would entail and um, if they thought I could handle it and if I'd be interested. And uh, a couple weeks later, David offered me the job, and I was happy to take it. Who was the first bullpen you caught? Ooh, first bullpen I caught. Well, you know, that's a tough question because I, I, having come up as an Oakland A in the minor leagues, I knew a lot of the, the guys coming up. Um, I, I honestly couldn't tell you the first guy I caught. But, you know, played with Lou Trevino in, in low A. Uh, as I mentioned before, Ryan Dahl was the first guy I actually met. He was drafted a couple rounds right behind me. Um, so came up with a lot of these guys and kind of felt like I was still a member of the organization when I took this job. So we're, we're talking, and it's about five hours before first pitch in Anaheim. What's the day like? How does the day begin for you and Jeremy? Uh, usually, actually, what we've been trying to do is get back in a little bit better shape. So usually it starts off a little workout or a run before all these guys get in here. We're trying to, you know, keep ourselves in shape because what we do is a lot of, you know, physically demanding stuff. But for me, I'm going through baseballs. Uh, we rotate the batting practice balls every day. Jeremy, you know, we're going through pitching balls and making sure rubs are 
taking care of. Jeremy has been doing mo probably most of that, if not all that, this year. So basically one of our big requirements in this position is taking care of the equipment, especially the baseballs and what we're using. You know, I, I, I envision, you know, going to a PGA Tour event and watching the guys on the range. And they got brand new, you know, name your name your brand, Titleist, TaylorMade, Srixon's out there that they're that they're working on for their game in advance of their of their PGA event. How pristine are the baseballs that are used in batting practice? How long does if a baseball in batting practice stays in play, you know, during the course of an entire day, let's say, what kind of a life does it have? I would say the life of a batting practice baseball is at max about a day. Um, we we rotate those pretty pretty candidly every single day our, our you know it's the big leagues up here so you you're, you're giving the guys the best opportunity for hitting the best gear whether it's baseballs or it's you know they have the best so we're we're rotating them every day um and we kind of have a tiered system so once they're hit a scuff whether it's grass or dirt we we get them into our infield work or our early bp and then from there they go to the cage and so on and so forth that's crazy so jeremy it's the thing that people think about mostly when it comes to the baseballs and that's rubbing the baseballs and getting them ready either for bullpen sessions or for the game at you know back at the coliseum for home games where the ace have the the responsibility there what's that process like uh, well, it's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, you know, you look uh, as at as interesting as you can make putting mud on a baseball. Yeah, be, I guess. right, right. Because you're taking a perfectly, you know, white pearl baseball and, and basically rubbing mud on it. And uh, it's, you know, Phil had a he, he turned me on to the process of, you know, a lot of guys will use a finger or whatever, and, and they'll manually put it on like that. We've actually gone to a process of wetting a sponge, taking the sponge in the mud, and, and it's just more efficient. I think it's a little cleaner that way. Um, you can kind of get it where you want to where you want to put it. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, not every ball is going to be the same, but you try to have a pretty uniform process with, with how we do it. And, um, you know, hopefully they turn out um, and the pitchers like them. How many baseballs will you rub up in a given day? Um, I would say anywhere from three to four dozen um, will rub up. Depending here, it's a little less because they have turf in the bullpen, so they don't get eaten up quite as much, um, depending on if we have rehab guys or whatnot. Um, so there's a lot of outlying factors that go into it, but I'd say anywhere from two to three dozen is a pretty safe bet. What's the process like from from grabbing that brand new baseball out of the box, removing the little paper wrapping around it, and then making it the baseball that's ready for whoever, Lou Trevino, Blake Trinan, Chamaniah, you know, Mike Fires, ready to use it in a bullpen? Yeah. How long does it take for one baseball to be ready? Um, I would probably say one baseball is probably right at a minute to, to get it completely ready. Um, so it's kind of funny. We'll say when a ball goes in the dirt, we're like, oh, well, there's a minute, you know, mm -hmm. that, that went into that baseball. But, uh, but, yeah, I would say, you know, the, the longest part of the process is getting the wrapping off the baseballs, breaking down the boxes so it's easier for the you know, clubhouse guys that, to get rid of them. Um, but we've, like I said, we've kind of nailed down a process where it's pretty efficient and uh, we're able to, to get as many done as we need and, and uh, not have to rush. I want you to keep your job as we continue our season on the road with the bullpen catchers, Phil Pohl and Jeremy Dowdy. But, Jeremy, okay, you've been doing this now for three years, and there's a lot of conversation. You read quotes from, from pitchers saying the baseball feels like an ice cube now. They feel like the baseball has, in some way, shape, or form, has changed. Either it has or in their mind it has. As you have manipulated and handled baseballs on a day-by-day -day basis, do they seem different to you? Um, I'd say, you know, for the most part, they seem pretty uniform. Um, like I said, we're, we're dealing with so many uh, each day. Um, it, you know, a lot of it depends on the climate you're in. Obviously, the cooler the climate, the, the slicker they're going to feel. Um, but I, I'd say for the most part, they do a pretty good job. Rawlings does, I think, is the, 
the provider of, of making sure all the balls are uniform and as close together as they can get them. But obviously you're going to have discrepancies, just kind of human error. But um, I haven't noticed too much of a difference, no. Okay, Phil, so we're ready to go. I mean, you're, you're out there in the bullpen. And in, in this case, in Anaheim, it's out in uh, left field. It's a two-tiered bullpen here in Southern California. Like today, for example, who has who, who's on the list to, to throw their side or how many guys will go down there in the bullpen and, and get some work before first pitch tonight? Yeah, I mean, everything varies a little bit day-to-day, just the amount of usage these guys are getting um, the prior games leading up to, like, today. So I think uh, today we have Frankie Montas is, is going to throw his side work, and then we'll usually have one or two guys that will either do some flat ground work after their throwing programs or we'll go out to the mound and do some dry work or some or some short uh, mound work out there. So it, it just depends on how much these guys have been getting worked, but usually we have one, sometimes two starters a day, however – they like their day off schedule that'll throw so we're usually roughly one to two starters a day are throwing to us bullpens pregame I know it's not a hundred percent but still in a bullpen setting throwing aside what's it like receiving a baseball out of the hand of Frankie Montas uh you know as as you guys well know Frankie Montas is a hard thrower so um you know he's 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 one for me personally. I enjoy catching. He, he's he's pretty special. Um, he's got some great action on a lot of his pitches. He's a hard thrower. So uh, to be able to say, hey, I you know tell your kids one day I caught a guy who throws 100 miles an hour in the big leagues is, is kind of a cool story. So we enjoy it. These these guys are always out here working to get better. So anything we can do to help them get to their goals is what we're trying to do as well. You have experience as a professional catcher, as you mentioned. You caught guys that eventually have gotten to the big leagues and are currently in the Ace Clubhouse. But what is it like? You can sense. The difference in the guys that you caught working your way up uh, in the minor leagues hoping to get to the big leagues and guys that are in the big leagues now and, and their ability to manipulate the ball the way they want to, place where they want to, how significant do you do you see that change from the times that you were catching guys trying to get them to this spot and the guys that have actually gotten here? Um, it, it- it's, it's really amazing what they're able to do. As you said, I, I, when I came up as a minor leaguer, the level I was at was usually the highest level I'd been, so that was the, the best caliber of player I'd been around. Uh, having been as a big league bullpen catcher now over the last four years, it, what these guys are able to do up here is, is a reason why they're in the big leagues. Uh, you know, able to hit their spots, the movement of their pitches is, is superior, and that's the reason why a lot of our guys have been successful as, as they have been. Um, so I, being able to repeat their delivery, hit their spots, command with, with two, three, sometimes four pitches is, is what separates these guys. Jeremy, what's it like down there in the bullpen? I mean, first of all, it's going to be a, a significant situation if Lou Trevino or Blake Tran are up and getting ready to come into a ball game because certainly the game likely is on the line one way or the other. But what's it like catching those arms that have unbelievable stuff, electric fastballs with all kinds of movement? Yeah, it's uh, like Phil said, um, it, it is pretty special. And I'd be lying if I said, you know, when you're down there and it's the big situation, you do get a little, um, you know, you get a little adrenaline going. Even though you're not going in the game, it still feels like you're getting somebody ready in a big spot. So, um, yeah, when, when either one of those guys are up, usually it's a big situation. So um, that's a pretty exciting time. But, yeah, I mean, like Phil said, these guys have really good stuff. And it's it's pretty cool to see a lot of these guys have grown a lot. And, um <laughs> They're really, really good, and it's it's pretty cool to be a part of that. There's a lot of people around. You've got the the bullpen coach Marcus Jensen, and you know at least pregame and certainly on sides and getting the starter ready for the game. You've got Scott Emerson down there, the pitching coach, and yourself. You're catching, and you're, or Phil's catching. What what's it like? Do you feel like that there are times that the pitcher or even Emo or Marcus will say, "Well, what do you see, Jeremy? How, how's the ball coming out of the hand for you?" And uh, are you comfortable relaying some of the information that maybe you're processing as you're catching bullpens or catching a guy getting ready for a game? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, um, yeah, I would say there's there's absolutely certain guys that 
um, want some feedback and you know you, you tread lightly you definitely want to stay in your lane and you don't want to overstep uh, where you're at because obviously we have Marcus and Emo down there that are great at what they do and, and that's what they're there for um, but there are certain guys that do like to know you know just certain things with certain pitches that we may be able to see from our end um, so yeah we'll, we'll give that feedback there and you try to be as honest as possible but um, but yeah that's that's another cool part is you're seeing it firsthand and and um, if you're able to offer any feedback and you're asked and um, I'm more than happy to, to tell them what I see. Phil, do you have some of those similar experiences? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like Jeremy said, we're, we're seeing it from a different angle. So anytime you know we can provide some feedback that you know they're, they're seeing, it's what we try to do. Um, what's what's special for me is you talk about the names that are down there with with uh, Scott Emerson and Marcus Jensen. I mean, there's a lot of years of experience. I know Marcus had a long career as a big leaguer. He's he's seen a lot, especially from our end as a as a catcher. So. For me, what I enjoy is just kind of sitting back and listening to these guys talk to our, whether it's bullpen sessions or Marcus talking to our catchers. And there's so much knowledge um, going back and forth between the coaching staff and the players. Um, for me, I've been able to learn, you know, just as a fly on the wall, learn so much just by listening. I know every pitcher, every starter has their own routine as they get ready for the game. And it involves, you know, getting on the mound or certainly in advance of that stretching and, and doing some, some tossing and even some long tossing. Each guy is different. What what have you noticed about those routines that, that allows these guys to be successful? Yeah, I mean, like you said, each guy is different. And I think um, at this level, you know, a lot of these guys have put in a lot of time in their craft and their game where they know what they need, whether it's loosening up or get prepared for a game or get prepared for a bull, bullpen session. Um, but each guy is different. And for us, it's, it's kind of cool. You see some guys are ready in five to eight pitches. Some guys need a little bit more, 15 to 25, you know, when they're preparing for a game. But... Um, a lot of that dictates the guy and how they're feeling and, and what they know they need to do to, to get themselves ready to compete. How many gloves do you go through in a year? <laughs> uh, you know what? That, that depends on the glove we're using, too. I, I would say uh, roughly, I don't know, what do you think, Jerry, about two? I'd say yeah, about, two. about two. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely taking a beating. Um, you talk about guys like, like Lou and, and, uh, and Blake who are real fireballers, and they'll, they'll beat up a glove pretty quick for sure. How, how much – of the catching gear, will you put on on a day by day basis? Will you be in, will will you be in full regalia with the shin guards, chest protector, and the mask as you're as you're receiving either bullpens or side session, or even as the guy's getting ready to come into the game? You know that's a that's actually funny. You mentioned that I'm uh, between us three. I don't believe I've put a chest protector on in the last four years. It's not between us three anymore, <laughs> Phil. By the way, <laughs> um, yeah, for whatever reason, I, I think my first year, um, I remember I was. Sitting down, you're always, I feel like you're always wearing your shin guards and you always have your mask and glove right next to you. And my first season, um, it was a situation where the phone rang and we needed to get somebody hot relatively quick. And I remember I was kind of fumbling around trying to get my chest protector on and it got to the point where I was, I was late getting to, you know, where I needed to be. To, I, I can't remember who was warming up, but I kind of from then on, I said, hey, I'm not going to worry about getting this thing on or keeping it on all game. I'm just going to go out there and kind of, you know, we're, we're, we were professional baseball players. I like to think my hands are still okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, it's usually for me. It's just shin guards and, and mask, and in a, in an area like this where uh, the Angels, you know, bullpen is kind of off back off the field. It's a little easier as opposed to in the Coliseum where you're right on the field. So you sometimes you got to wear one in the in the belly or the thigh or whatever. But we, we, I like to think our hands are pretty good, myself and Jeremy. So we can we can pick a little bit. Jeremy, what are the what are the favorite places from a bullpen perspective of watching the game? getting a pitcher ready, the energy of the ballpark, engaging with the fans. What's the short list for you? Um, I, I, I have probably a top three. I'd say Seattle's definitely up there for me as far as you're close to the action. Um, you know, you get some decent interaction with some fans, and hopefully they're, they're not too hard on us. Um, 
like that setup. And surprisingly, you know, night game Texas, because you're, you're also close. You, you're, you feel like you're right in the back pocket of the outfielders. Um, and then obviously New York is nice because you have, you know, a climate control building down there. Um, guys can stay comfortable until they need to go, and it's a very spacious, and um, you can kind of spread your wings down there a little bit. But um, I'd be hard-pressed to say there's a bad setup. You know, I, we always say it's the big leagues. It, it, you know, it doesn't get much better. Um, but those three kind of stand out to me as, as some of my favorites. How much have you learned doing what you're doing as a bullpen catcher for the athletics at this level? Quite a bit. Um, you know, echoing what, what Phil said about um, Emo, Scott Emerson, uh, and Marcus Jensen, you know, that back and forth there and, and uh, the numbers that go into it and the reasoning behind why we do some things um, is pretty eye-opening. And just seeing all that baseball knowledge being bounced around and then seeing the knowledge go into the physical part is, uh, is pretty special. So kind of just sitting back and, and just listening. And then obviously when someone's, you know, ready to go, we're there. But um, it's, it's a pretty unique experience that I think we're both fortunate enough to, uh, to be able to be a part of. Phil, I'll ask you the same question, but before we go on the road with some of your favorite bullpens, I mean, it's unique at the Coliseum because you guys are on the playing field and you are literally within a a hand's touch of a fan interacting with you. How cool is it for the home games? Yeah, honestly, uh, it's it's a for me, it's a positive and a negative. You're you're I think the Coliseum is one of the better places to watch a baseball game because you are you're almost in front of where our our left fielder standing. So you almost have a better view. the negative side is you are on the field, so you you got to make sure everything is in front of you. And you know, if one is to get behind you, you got to stop play, and everybody's kind of looking down there like, "What are these guys doing?" <laughs> so there's a little bit more of a microscope when you're warming guys up. But Coliseum, great place to watch a ball game. Like you said, the fans are right there. Um, there's a lot of season ticket holders that you know we know by name basis and always come in check in how's your day going how you know how are they doing so you get that real fan close fan interaction that you're not going to get in other places for example Houston you're kind of underneath and there's zero fan interaction so that's what I personally like about Oakland it's a great place to watch a game and our I mean our fan base is a passionate fan base what's what are your favorite places on the road um, road, uh, like Jeremy said, Seattle is really a good spot. Um, just everything top to bottom makes our job a little easier with the space they have in the clubhouse, and it's a nice spot to watch a game. Um, you know, me being from the Northeast, I always get to see family when we go, whether it's the Red Sox, Yankees, or Baltimore. So Northeast is, is a good trip for me. Um, Seattle is up there for sure. But if top three, if I had to pick top three, I'd probably go Seattle, Seattle. Uh, for, like I said, for me, Baltimore and then probably Toronto. Toronto's a, a fun fun city to visit, um, good ballpark, good, very, always good atmosphere there. We, we like that spot. We're visiting with Phil Pohl and Jeremy Dowdy, winding down our season on the road this particular episode from Anaheim. And I want to ask you about what it was like because you joined the ball club at a time where they were not winning on the major league level. And then 97 victories last year, and they're in the playoffs, and of all places, Yankee Stadium and it was such a great year for the athletics a lot of energy that great second half what was it like warming up pitchers in that environment last year um I tell you what it, it was something else the uh grow, I you know growing up in the state of New York I was a Yankees fan growing up so I'd, I'd been to a lot of games at old Yankee Stadium um their fans are, are definitely a, a passionate type of fan um so they, they were on us and we knew they were going to be loud and obviously they're they're on all the guys warming up but we, we used an opener last year, so Jeremy and I were, were working from the first inning on um, last year. So the, they were riding us hard. <laughs> I think there was a couple of drinks or food items tossed into the, the uh, bullpen at certain times. So it, it got pretty rowdy, but like you said, it was a great season. Um, the 97 wins, it was amazing to be a part of that, um, and that's what we're really fighting to get back towards this year is a, is a playoff berth. 
One final question for both of you, and Phil, I'll start with you. So you've done this now. This is your fourth year as a bullpen catcher. You've spent time as a professional player. You've had so many great experiences, great travels, and you're developing great relationships. Phil Pohl, what's next for you in the game other than doing what you've been doing? I would imagine you want to extend beyond working bullpens and, and catching guys in the role that you're in. Yeah, like you said, great great question always. I think we're always talking about what's next. Um, I think right now where we're at is, is a great spot having wanting to stay in baseball and keep a job in baseball um, you know having this opportunity at the big league level to work alongside and learn from our big league staff has been just an absolute treat for me the last four years our staff I, I can't say enough about how awesome they've been with including us and good with our questions and anything we need so that's that's been great for me um, you know whether that's getting into coaching in a couple years or down the future is yet to be seen I think a lot of that is what's available when when the time comes at the end of the year and you know, each year we, we kind of revisit our options and see what's going on and, and go from there. So, Jeremy, what's next for you? Uh, well, well, you know, very similar to what, uh, what Phil said. I think right now is, is a great opportunity for, for me to, you know, just keep learning and, and keep growing as a uh, being on the other side of the game now. Um, so, you know, when that time comes, it, it'll, it'll come. But uh, right now I'm, I'm in no rush and, and, you know, I feel comfortable where I'm at. And, um, like I said, every day is a new experience and you're learning something new and learning from the best. So I think personally, uh, that's a great, you know, great place to be. And, and like Phil said, when the time comes, the time will come. But as of now, we're, we're here trying to trying to get back to where we were last year. And, and I think that's goal number one. So um, just just continuing to enjoy it and and grow as a as a baseball mind. This has been time well spent for sure. Guys that are behind the scenes, but certainly an integral part of what happens on a day in a day out basis for the athletics inside the clubhouse, out of the bullpens, and getting pitchers ready, basically from, from the get-go, from the time they step on the field until the final pitch is thrown in the course of a baseball game. A season on the road, this episode from Anaheim with bullpen catchers Phil Pohl and Jeremy Dowdy. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate the visit. Stay tuned, folks. Another time, another edition, another episode of A Season on the Road coming your way on Ace Cat. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 